Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Katie Oberly. Katie is a licensed psychotherapist turned creative mindfulness coach and singer-songwriter. Katie's passionate about expanding the definition of mindfulness to include creative, nature-based, and embodied practices, which are especially helpful, she says, for sensitive stress nervous systems. In Katie's work with her clients, she really encourages them to develop their own brand of mindfulness that honors their innate creativity, life circumstances, values, goals, and she's all about integrating what she calls the contemplative arts. So some examples she gave me were mindful collaging, vision boarding, journaling, music, that sort of thing in her work. Katie lives in Columbus, Ohio with her husband, her two daughters, and their Siamese cats. I feel like this is such an intersection of things I love, mindfulness and creativity. So I'm really excited to jump into the show. Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Whitney. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really excited to have you because I get really juiced up about all topics to do with creativity. And then you take creativity, mix it with mindfulness, and I just have so many questions. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I know. So mindfulness is something we've talked about in many capacities on the show, but I feel like everybody comes to it from a different place. So I'd like to set the stage by you just sharing your broad strokes definition of what you think mindfulness encapsulates. So I really like John Kabat-Zinn's definition. He was sort of the the parent of modern mindfulness, if you will, brought it from the East to the West in the 70s. And and so the crux of his definition is, is really paying attention in an intentional way, on purpose, non-judgmentally, compassionately to our present moment experience. So that's what we're paying attention to. All aspects of our present moment experience that's internally inside ourselves, that's also outside of ourselves, um, what's happening in our environment. It's a practice of awake awareness in which I believe our highest self can be accessed and then nurtured. Mm, What a beautiful opening. And I love that you are reminding us off the bat that it's a practice. It is a practice. It's interesting because it's a practice that doesn't necessarily get us to an end point. (laughs) If we're doing it, this is the paradox of like talking about the benefits of mindfulness, right? Because if we're really doing it for the benefits, then we tend to not get the benefits. So yes, I think if we remind ourselves that it's just a practice that we do to continue to flex our muscle of aliveness and awareness about being on this beautiful earth and this one precious life. And if there are other things that come from it, wonderful. And in my experience, there are. So I'll scratch benefits off the question list because no, I, I agree. Benefit, I, like scratch well, benefits. Um, there are plenty. And, you know, actually, I, 
I was thinking about that because there's like two ways to go in terms of talking about the benefits. There's a very scientific-y thing to talk about. Research has shown that this and this and this. Yeah. But, you know, one of my favorite authors and, and colleague who's becoming a friend, Rebecca Pacheco, in her book, Still Life, she actually has a beautiful way, a very like you know, just the way she is with words, like, like any lovely author, she does a beautiful job of describing the benefits of mindfulness. So if you'll indulge me, I was just going to read oh, a little bit. Of, please. Um, oh, wow. Talks about the benefits. So. Oh my gosh. An impromptu reading right up. I'm loving this. <laughs> Here are some things that can happen when you meditate. And so I'll just asterisk this for a second though, and talk about the differences between meditation and mindfulness in my mind, because that is often a question that I get and that I've wondered about, and it's been a part of my journey. So for me, meditation and mindfulness can really be used interchangeably, but in a popular culture, meditation is typically what we think of when we think of someone in more of a formal mindfulness practice, like in a seated position, maybe eyes closed. Awareness is usually around the breath in some way, or, you know, some present moment experience in, in just more of an intentional way that might be different from informal mindfulness practice that we could sort of do on the fly. So I, I believe, and, and research has shown, that both types can be really beneficial. So she says, here are some of the things that can happen when you meditate. You feel less stressed. You sleep better. You walk through the world half asleep less often. Your blood pressure decreases. The part of your brain responsible for making sound decisions gets stronger. The likelihood that you remember someone's name increases. You remember who you are. You experience less chronic pain in severity or frequency. You become a better listener to yourself and others. You become a better friend to yourself and others. You become a more patient parent. You become a more compassionate child. You taste your food. You recognize your connection to all beings and the earth. You can hold a thought. You can do just one thing. You can do the courageous thing. You pay attention. The impulsive part of your brain feels triggered and agitated less often. You remember to breathe. You love deeper. You pay attention. You remember to breathe. You live your life rather than life living you. Hmm. What a gorgeous list. I mean, that was just, I really enjoyed just being being mindful and listening to that. But one of the things that that stood out is you remember who you are, because I think that's actually a really perfect bridge to talking about how you work with specifically engaging in the creative process with mindfulness. So your term for that is mindfully creative. So we've kind of established, you know, your view of mindfulness what it is, what it is in contrast to meditation. And I think people get that now. So what is being mindfully creative? Yeah. So, so let me backtrack just a moment and talk about just creative mindfulness. I mean, it's, it's semantics, right? Being mindfully creative, being creative mindfulness. But for me, creative mindfulness is twofold. The way I think about it is it encompasses formal and informal mindfulness practices. So the idea is that you tap into your innate creativity in order to do mindfulness, do your brand of mindfulness, however you want to do at any given moment. So it really removes the shoulds 
that I am really trying to let go from my life because actually before, before we started recording, you and I were talking a little bit about the recovery process from perfectionism and that that is also a practice. And so one of the things that I've really appreciated about that journey is the focus on self-compassion. And so that's really what brought me into talking about mindfulness and working with people around mindfulness in this way, bringing creativity into it because with creativity, the rules can go out the window. There's no one patriarchal presence telling us that it has to look this way and be a certain thing to call itself mindfulness. So truly, whatever brings you into the present moment with sort of this like warmth, compassionate spirit about you when you're doing that, beautiful. Now, that doesn't mean that mindfulness is like a, always a warm, fuzzy feeling because experience is to be present with whatever comes up. And that may be self-judgment and fear and suffering and all of that. And so I think it's really our relationship to that that we can think about creatively and how do we hold that in compassion and how do we almost dance with it? creatively. So for me, the dancing with it is what I think of as mindful creativity, because I am taking what's there and sort of like alchemizing it into, for me, a song often, because I'm a singer songwriter. And so I am just in my journal, opening it up, noticing what's there at any given moment. Usually I go into a songwriting session because I'm feeling pretty uh, agitated state, a pretty depressed state. Something is potent, right, about my present moment experience. But there are times when I do feel this like swell of gratitude and that's what brings me into a session. So whatever it is, there's this sort of like arrival into, you know, mindfulness and there's the use of a creative medium to express that. And so... I find that I am able to speak the language of my heart in a more authentic way when I put it into a song. And some people do that through painting a picture and some people do that through dancing. None of us have to be, I mean, and this is another thing that like can get very like rule bound. What is an artist? Are you an mm -hmm. artist? Who is an artist and who can call themselves that? I think that is a part of our highest self. We are innately creative beings. So I really think it's one of our, the things we do when we're at our highest uh, self. And since I'm a therapist by training, Internal Family Systems is a, a therapy model where it talks about being led by our big S self. And there are some qualities that I think that they talk about that I also roll into, I feel like what it means to be creatively mindful or to be living a creatively mindful life. So those qualities are he, uh, Richard Schwartz, the, the founder of that theory, or, you know, the person who, who created that theory calls them the eight C's of self-leadership. So it's compassion, curiosity, courage, clarity, confidence, connectedness, calm, and creativity. I believe like when we are living with those things, we're likely living mindfully. And we're likely living in a way that honors our very existence and the people and beings in our world. That's a great list. Okay. That, we have a lot to drill down into, and that was a wonderful explanation. So I want to take it back to the way you articulated your creative output and link that to mindfulness. Because let me mirror this back just so, so folks understand, and I make sure that I'm clear. So 
you're saying part of mindfulness is just having an awareness of good or bad of whatever comes up. But I think I would argue maybe, especially if it's kind of some lower vibrational feelings like mate that you want to work through. And that's you- where the type of awareness we have is important because if it's an awareness, but then it's a very judgmental awareness of that, right? Mm. Then that's a, a different felt sense than mindfulness, right? So with mindful awareness, there is the addition of compassion and non-judgment. So it's the really of like being with an experience, whatever it is, almost like a, you know, a, a mother would to a child, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so just what our, what our natural empathetic system would do for maybe another person in pain, you know, often we're able to visualize that if we're a parent, you know, what would it be like our, our child if that was, if they were going through something. So it's kind of being with ourselves in a similar way. Yeah. Do you have any other practical suggestions for women? If you're, if they're having moments where they're beat, cause I think it's just so human to beat yourself up and especially women to feel shame if they're not, you know, flowing one day and then it, it just layers on. So what are some, what's some advice you've shared with clients on how, how to tap into that compassion? What you shared was great kind of, and I've, I've read that a lot of like talking to yourself, like you'd talk to a best friend or a daughter. And I love and that I, practice. It's not easy for me to get there. Like when I first learned about mindful self-compassion, like Kristen Neff's work. So she talks a lot about like putting your hand on your heart and almost like addressing yourself. Like it's okay, sweetheart. And for a while I was like, there is no way in hell I'm going to address myself as, hey, sweetheart, like I just couldn't get there. That just wasn't true to me for a long time. I'm coming around to it, but we also can't be completely inauthentic with ourselves around the style of that. So I think it's just, you know, like, ugh, this sucks right now. (laughs) Like this, like suckiness is happening (laughs) or whatever we want to say, right? Just like, like fear is here you know, right. But I've been a performer for years. Like I grew up being in, I can't count the number of musical theater productions I've been in. Right. But every time I go to do something that's like going to be performance related, even this podcast, the fear comes up and that's my, that's my part of myself. That's like, doesn't want me to mess up and wants it to be okay. And, and so the mindfulness comes in around just like acknowledging that that's there and not beating ourselves up that it's there. So the more that we can just like not be one more element of criticism in the whole stew of that, the better. And in Buddhism, they call it not shooting yourself with the second arrow, right? Like you're already suffering. So don't mm-hmm. shoot yourself in, with, with an, an arrow of your own because you're judging yourself about suffering. Sort of just the allowance of like suffering is here. Here mm-hmm. it is. Because mm-hmm. it, in many ways, mindfulness is the opposite of being in denial. Hmm. Right? Love that. Well, and it also, so then just to kind of cover and bridge, it seems like you also have found in your own experience that you can alchemize some of your emotions by channeling creativity. Yeah. There's that balance between allowing it to be and letting it just be and pass through and sort of almost like the metaphor of leaves on a stream, you know, floating down like this too shall pass, just allowing it to move through, not getting hooked into it coming back to the present moment, grounding ourselves. maybe, you know, again, a tip for women or whoever's listening is to like open our eyes and maybe 
what are three things that we can see? What are three things we can hear? What are three things we can touch? I mean, sometimes those kinds of like multi-sensory skills are, are helpful for getting ourselves back into the present moment and sort of out of our, our head, our, our mm-hmm. ruminative space around mm-hmm. something. But I've also found that it's okay to do something with what's there. And that doesn't mean that we're hooking into it. Yeah, it actually means we're, we're sort of transforming it, right? We're, we're, we're changing it in some way, not in a way that we're lying to ourselves about it, but just the idea of what does that suffering feel like? What does it sound like? What would be, a, for me, a chord, you know, that I would play on the guitar that could sort of like speak the words of that suffering, mm. right? And and so in something about doing that and sending it out, there is a bit of like this catharsis that happens. Um, and we hear about that in art, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of good art is made in pain and struggle and who's to judge what is good or not, right? But usually it's the art that moves us because the artist is saying something about the human experience, which maybe for them is very personal, but oftentimes is this universal themes of suffering. Mm right? Mm. Often, often. Yeah. And of, and of gratitude, right? And, and for me, those playing with the, the dichotomy of that has been a part of my artistic process and my songwriting journey as well. Hey, it's Whitney. I wanted to take a brief pause during this episode because I'm so excited. I can finally talk about my mastermind. It's here. So starting September 14th, I will be working with a cohort of women and spend an hour every week together for six weeks where we carve out time for you. It's a time to reconnect back to yourself and spark something new. Every week, there'll be a live content call and you'll experience guided visualizations, writing exercises, and group discussions. And then you'll have a really easy to implement weekly assignment. And this could be something like a journal prompt or an easy adventure but something very manageable. You'll also have some chances to more deeply interact with and have accountability and support from what I know is gonna be an awesome cohort of women. If you're feeling this and you're ready to step into a sense of possibility, this invitation's for you. This is a space I wish I would have had years ago when I struggled unnecessarily. I wish I had a roadmap back to myself, back home, the tools, the practices, the support. If that sounds familiar, hop on board. Let's make it a joyful ride. You're welcome to DM me or you can find out more on my website, myelectricideas.com backslash mastermind backslash. I'm really excited to share this and can't wait to hear from you if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. Let's unpack. And I, I, the, the artist piece I want to come back to too. And I want to read something you wrote to kind of spur us in that direction. So something you said, you, you said, You believe when our wise creative spirits come out to play, healing and transformation can happen at all levels, individually, relationally, and collectively. From a listener perspective, I'm thinking about, well, you are a songwriter and like, I'm a writer. It's like natural for me to give voice to some of these emotions through a creative expression that I already gravitate to. And I already have a practice for what are some ways that everybody can tap into that? in a way that just feels fluid and not like a barrier, like it needs to be something like just about the like process and the journey, not actually like making a 
piece of art or something. So tell me more about that. Yeah, I think definitely that the focus on the process, not the end product is really what's important. There's actually a beautiful book that was written again by another colleague of mine, Janet Slom, called An Artful Path to Mindfulness. And it's based on MBSR, which is John Kabat-Zinn's Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. But she calls it Mindfulness-Based Self-Expression. So Hmm. she uses MBSR kind of activities and weaves in drawing activities. So, but again, not drawing, like we're going to draw a human face. We're going to draw, you know, a still life picture whatever. But it's really just like, we're going to draw a swirly line. It's just, what does that feel like as your pen is moving across the page? What do you, are you hearing the sound that your, you know, the pen makes? Are you feeling the weight of it in your hand? It feels like to me, as a person who has got caught in for many, many years, perfectionism and output. And it sounds like, oh my God, how am I possibly going to spend my time drawing lines mindfully? Like you've got to be kidding me, but it's almost like banking time, right? Like the time that we're putting into a practice like that, where it doesn't seem like it's maybe quote unquote doing anything, we're really slowing ourselves down and connecting to our body and our mind and our spirit in a way that allows us to start understanding that it's not about being a quote unquote artist or like having to be creative in a certain way. It's just about getting to, yes, be in this playful, curious space. I think curiosity is another huge part of mindfulness. What in Buddhism is talked about as beginner's mind, mm-hmm. right? which is really how children see the world. And do children need art classes? They kind of just do it, right? Until we are like, well, yes, but now we're going to learn how to color within the lines and to do shading. And like, then we teach them art. But they naturally want to grab a pen and squiggle wherever. And so what would happen if you just had the materials nearby, right? And when you were having a really tough time and you acknowledge like there is suffering, like what would it be like to just either do a free write of a w- one minute about it, just whatever gunk came out and onto the page mm-hmm. or what it feel like to grab some colors and choose whatever felt like it sort of matched what was going on. And just like being in that process for no reason other than it's important to do that so that we don't miss being awake to what actually is right. Where we are taught in many ways directly and tacitly to not slow down to not be with our present moment experience, to not be embodied. And so it's really a coming back to, again, our highest state, our natural self, who's just trying to express what is. Yeah. So I'm going to put an invitation out there to our our audience because I, I, as you were saying that, I realized I, my children, as you you know, are a little older now and they still do all kinds of drawing and art, but they kind of just do it on their own. I mean, they're, and I remember when they were little, we'd just get out all the crayons and paper and what, and just, it would be kind of fun just to sit there, but I don't really do that for myself anymore. I just don't think to do it. So I think it'd be a cool opportunity just to, just to play and, uh, you know, create with no purpose. So, and that's why I love, I love mindful, I call it mindful collaging too. So, I mean, 
I don't know if any of us have magazines anymore in COVID. It feels like everything's sort of like <laughs> shut down, all the paper products and everything shut down. But if you have magazines laying around or um, they're starting to appear at like dentist's office again, like, you know, maybe grab some and take a half hour and just like flip and cut <laughs> and just see what comes up. Like, what do you gravitate towards? What words kind of call to your spirit and what pictures seem like something that like evokes joy or evokes whatever is in your heart at that one moment. And I've found that sort of like organizing those, arranging, being with, letting them flow onto the page in whatever order you want is a really beautiful practice also. And this is why art journaling could be something that listeners mm. might want to look into. The idea is that we just show up for what is and we have creative materials around us and we use those um, as tools in our toolbox. And so I did an art journal. I didn't even know it was called one in college. Like I would write in my diary and then I would flip through magazines and I would cut out things. And it became like almost found like a poetry that I created because mm. it'd be like a phrase here, a word here or whatever. And so I, I would just sort of paste and put a picture in and I would step back and I'm like, oh, interesting. That really did capture the feeling of what it was going on for me in that moment. And so this is why I think, again, creative mindfulness, having access to all these different kinds of tools so that in any given moment, that's something that you, that you utilize. But it can be like having a rain dance in the shower where like you're just feeling the the water on your body, the mm -hmm. warmth of that. And just like what usually comes up for me in that type of practice, I can't force it. But what I've noticed is gratitude. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I turned this thing on and there's water. And look, it's warm water if I want it and cold water if I want it. And just the privilege that comes with that you know, being thankful around that, like just, there are some things that just are natural outcroppings of mindfulness that are beautiful to, to watch unfold. I, I really like that kind of art journal practice too. Cause sometimes, I, you know, and the, the cliche, the image is a thousand words. What came up for me when you were saying that too, is sometimes I think women, whether it's feelings that feel, you know, ingratitude and like you're showing up as your best self, or, you know, like we said, lesser vibration emotions, I think it's a way to be honest about how long you're feeling a certain way, yeah. because some women who think they're in a dip might've been in a certain like feeling mode for a long time. And by documenting, even if it's just a little tiny bit weekly, it's easier to go back and be like, Whoa, this wasn't just this month. I can't externally blame it to the holiday season. Like yeah. I felt this yes. way, you know, beautiful reminder that we're kind of, it allows us to be you know, mindfully reflective, right? Mm -hmm. the, the sort of the patterns of, of our internal process. And another thing that can do that as a tool, if, if people, you know, like to play around with writing as well, I kind of mentioned it, but Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist's Way, calls it morning pages. And so it's just sitting down and the first thing in the morning, grabbing a journal and writing three pages. And I did that throughout the pandemic for several months. And I don't do it anymore because it just it, sometimes practices just leave us when they need to leave us and mm -hmm. we can return to them when we want to return to them. So again, I try not to be very rigid about that either because that just caused that shoots the second arrow. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, I didn't do my morning pages. Oh no. So it's really not about that. It's just about knowing here's another channel in to sort of you know, yeah. And sometimes as we evolve with our mindfulness practices, uh, we change and our needs change. I'm kind of in a similar place. I did. I've done that too, for 
really long stretches. And then it just doesn't seem to be serving me. And I like shift to something else for part of my morning routine. So good to give that permission. Seasonally can impact that. Like Mm. I was doing that a lot more in the winter months because I'm in Ohio. And so it's like, I don't know. I feel like we have the most gray days second only to Seattle or something like that. And so I did my like happy light, I call it, right? Like yeah. whatever light you're supposed to have that yeah. like, gives you some of those things that the sun does that we don't see any of for the winter months. And I would do my morning pages and have my coffee. And that became my sort of my morning ritual that I needed to do for my mental health. And so it also is just an experimentation process. I've really been into yoga lately. So just the embodied practice of like, I think because there's so much sitting on computers, Zoom meetings, and so much staring at screens, that I kind of forget that there's a body under this head <laughs> sometimes and I need to just get back into my body and I'm anxiously temperamented. So sitting for longer periods of time in formal meditation is just not my jam. Mm. And if I try to make it thus, I tend to second arrow myself. <laughs> mm. And so I just try to be gentle with myself around using yoga. Again, some people use yoga for exercise and that's great. Sometimes your heart rate does go up depending on what style you do. But there's many different styles of yoga. You can also do restorative yoga, yin yoga. And and so I find that flow yoga, just really kind of moving from one position to one pose to another over the course of an hour helps me also complete the stress response, the cycle that we're hearing, I think a lot more people talk about where we sort of have this, not to go too neurosciencey, but we have our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic nervous system and chronic stress really activates our, our sympathetic nervous system. And so if we're just in that state for too long, it's just not good for our bodies. It just feels really gunky all over mind, body, spirit. And so moving us into more of a restful, relaxed state that's our, our parasympathetic nervous system. We need to have a balance between the two, right? And they develop, they're, they're there to be a part of just how we're wired as mammals. But in our current day culture, especially with everything that's been going on, you know, right now that are moving us all into more of a chronic state of mm. sympathetic nervous system activation. And so that's another thing that, that you can try is just dabble in yoga. And also there, not all yoga studios are created equal. So make sure you find one where you feel welcome. And as a beginner, you feel supported and empowered. And maybe it's a practice that you did a long time ago and you just play around with it again. Reconnecting with, with what feels good for your body right now. Absolutely. So I know we're coming up against time, but I, and, and thank you. I feel like this has been a buffet of ideas because sometimes women are just ready to shift and they, they've got, I think that people do sometimes get a little too rigid with their routines that they think are anchoring them. And sometimes it's just good to play and be a little loose and substitute something new. And you might just breathe a little fresh energy. Someone I, that I knew a wise person said, keep it between the ditches, right? Which is what about, Hmm. you know, Buddhism finds it's like, we don't have to be this ascetic, this person who like, you know, exposing ourselves to suffering just to like be a martyr about it. And we also though, don't want to be like necessarily hedonistic about everything. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's a certain level of just mindful discernment around like, you know, let me stay long enough in a practice so I can really explore it. And even if it feels uncomfortable at first, like, let me sort of dance with that experience and see if Mm. there are learnings that come from that. But let me also not be a martyr about it and, you know, unnecessarily put myself in a position that's highly uncomfortable, especially if there's trauma in our past, we want to be extra gentle with ourselves and extra allowing of choice. 
Thank you for offering that. So I know that when you work with clients, you have a system called EMAP and I read it as a little acronym for everyday mindfulness action plan, right? I I mean, we, we love a good, we love a good acronym. So (laughs) if we're a new client and we're coming to you and maybe it's just general, we're like, Hey, I just, I feel a level up. I'm, I'm ready to step into a higher self. What are some things that people could take a look at, or what would you offer for women who want to take their own little stab at maybe creating a mini EMAP? Absolutely. Yeah. So in the version that I have around coaching right now, I I sort of have this three session process. I call it attune, create and thrive. So first really the big step that we've been talking a lot about today is attuning to what is right. What is feeling misaligned, right? Mm -hmm. What is, what is feeling out of balance? And so I I really want to listen to that when I'm working with a client, because maybe it's a lot of relationally what's going on. Maybe there's something in like their partner relationship that's feeling just very conflictual or stressful. Maybe it's work, maybe it's being a parent, you know, maybe it's just their their environment where they live, wherever. But what what is feeling sort of misaligned because that will then inform the co-creation of this EMAP. So really it's me listening to all of that sort of like synthesizing the information that someone gives me while also in the moment doing some kind of grounding and mindfulness kind of beginnings of of some, you know, tips here and there. But then I prepare this like an actual document that I share with somebody and it usually lists some mindful daily habits that based on their interests, their schedule, and just kind of the constellation of what's going on for them, things that I think they could probably, that might be enticing to them to try. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll include like some mindful tips for anxiety or depression, or again, I'm, you know, not acting with my therapist hat on. So I'm of course not treating anything that would be a mental health disorder that we would need to refer to a therapist for, but we're more talking about, you know, the, the rises and falls of our human experience, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever, Mm-hmm. is sort of the flavor of what's most going on for a client, we would really kind of make a curated map matching their needs and goals. Hmm. So there could be things like, you know, especially if it was someone like me that sort of is like tendency to be perfectionistic, having them try to, to think about doing like a self-compassion mantra, playing around with that. Maybe if it's someone who is more temperamented to like a distractible disposition. I mean, aren't we all in the state of like mm-hmm. constant, like bing, bang, boom, whatever. There's so much to be aware of, but like mm-hmm. use an app, right? Use an insight timer app or a calm app or headspace or just an alarm on your phone and play around with that around having some like small little guided meditations you could use or, you know, so really it's about providing a menu to people so that they don't feel completely overwhelmed with the like countless choices that there are Mm -hmm. having someone a coach be able to really listen and synthesize information about what's going on in your unique circumstances and offering tools books practices that they think can work for you and then we we talk about all that then you take it and you live it and you do that and then we come back and say what worked well what didn't work well what were some of the things i learned about and then what do i want to take to then generalize to thrive right that's the Mm -hmm. last session we really talk about here on out like you know so there are going to be things that need to be edited. So that's what I do with all my clients, right? Oh, yep. So here's your edited EMAP and it will be edited again by you in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if they want to continue working, we'll just keep that. It's an, it's an evolving document. So yeah, that's really, that's such a neat process and helping them create something that's living and breathing as they evolve. Closing up here. I, I think it's interesting. Sometimes things that I'm resistant to in this space are things I need the most. What's one practice that you've assigned that you've found clients are resistant to, but maybe ends up 
been a big transformational practice for them? You know, it's really, I think a lot of times as simple, quote unquote, as taking the time because especially women don't always put ourselves first. You know, we, it's like they, they even tell us on airplanes, right? Put on your own mask first, (laughs) but it's really hard to do that when we're wearing so many hats and, and inevitably caring for so many people and things and causes and whatever. So I think that that becomes sometimes the hardest part is just the trying it and the doing it. And so sometimes we talk about habit stacking or basically a habit that you're already doing. Like if you're already brushing your teeth every morning, then like setting a timer and brushing for one extra minute mindfully, like just mm. like feeling the brush on your teeth or, you know, so it, we mm. just use our creativity about yeah. um, how do we dip our toes into that? But for me, as someone who has an enormous inner critic, the hardest things for me that I recommend to clients that I have to remind myself to do is engage in a pleasurable endeavor. Just have fun for fun's sake. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's the beautiful thing about coaching and about the journey is that as much as I'm sharing, you know, the, the learnings that I've come across through research and through my experience as a therapist and through my own lived experience, passing those along, I'm learning from, from clients. We're co-creating this experience together. So, uh, yeah, so those are a couple of ideas. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. I always end my podcast with asking the same question. As you know, I'm reflective. So what's one question women should be asking themselves more? Hmm. I would invite women to ask themselves what they are aware of in this moment. Like just what are you aware of in this moment? And to be with that and then to get creative about what we're going to do about that. Beautiful. Thank you. I know people are going to want to learn more about you and follow you. So where can we find you? Sure. So I'm on Instagram as Katie Oberly, and then Facebook, Katie Oberly Creative is my page. And then I do have a, a Facebook group. It's called A Creatively Mindful Life. And my website is katieoberlycreative.com. I have a mailing list. So if you want to get on that, you can go to the website and, and or you can DM me on Instagram and then we can chat and, and see how I can best support you in your mindfulness journey. Wonderful. As always, we'll catch all this in the show notes too. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Whitney. It was wonderful. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at, at @whitneywoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.